When I was growing up, we had a small basketball court in our backyard, and I used to spend hours back there practicing. Some days, don't mind my saying, I, I was pretty good. But the kids in my neighborhood and in my school knew that when I showed up on the court, there was always one skill that I was going to bring. One skill that was always the same, day after day after day. You see, I was awesome at fouling. <laughs> I didn't have to practice fouling. I could hack guys, knock them to the ground, jam fingers in the act of shooting. Man, I was naturally good at that. I was great at fouling. The problem with that is you don't get to play a lot of basketball when you're good at fouling. And uh, I didn't like that very much, so I quit because uh, basketball was just too hard, and I was never going to be good at it anyway. Well, sometimes the Christian faith can feel a lot like that, like we're never going to be good at anything except messing up. And uh, the harder we try, or no matter what we try, it just seems like that's what we're always doing, messing up. So we get discouraged, feel guilty, and just want to quit. Maybe that's you today. I've been in that place many, many times. But Jesus didn't quit on me, and he does not quit on you. I received Jesus Christ in my life um, for the first time uh, somewhere around the time I was 10 years old because somebody told me that I was supposed to. Great reason, huh? But I didn't really understand what Christianity was all about, and so by the time I was in the ninth grade, I quit, or so I thought. The reason was because Christianity sounded like it was all about being good and following all the rules, so I spent most of my time trying to not do the things I knew I wasn't supposed to do. And because I messed up a lot, I felt guilty. And like God was, just didn't want to have anything to do with me because he was tired of all my excuses. Now there is this lie going around that says that once we receive Jesus and ask him to forgive us, well, then we will from that point on live like totally different people. Like no more problems with anger or rage or lust or pride or greed or any addictions. Those things will just magically go away. Whatever our issue or issues, they'll just disappear. Or at least we think they should. But that is not real. And besides, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. That's something that human beings have made up. Because what is real, what we experience for most of us, we will experience the same temptations and fall in the same ways we did before we asked Jesus to come into our lives. So we end up feeling like failures. The truth is that following after Jesus is not about sin management. Because we manage the sin very well, thank you. No problem in that category. But following Jesus is about a relationship. A relationship with a real person who changes us. And that is the most amazing thing about this relationship. Because the relationship slowly changes us. And after a while, we start wanting to do the things that Jesus did. Kind of behave in the world the way that Jesus behaved. And we stop wanting to be like that person that we used to be. That old way of life loses its appeal. It's just not fun anymore. So, this summer... We're going to be going through this sermon series we're calling Invited. 
God invites us into a relationship that changes us and makes our lives fuller, richer, better. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus calls that kind of life the abundant life. But for many of us, we're still struggling with the same old stuff. And this whole idea of abundant life, well, that does just sound like an idea or some pie-in-the-sky dream rather than a reality that Jesus offers us. So we end up settling for a kind of faith in life that is far less than what Jesus is offering. It's almost like he's got this whole garden full of every great fruit and vegetable you can possibly imagine, and we pick an onion and call it good. What we need is a way to access that fuller, richer life, that abundant life. And the best way that I know how is to look at the way that Jesus lived his life and to do the kinds of things that Jesus did in his life. To see that there were certain practices that Jesus regularly participated in and then encouraged his followers to do so that we would do those same things too. And you've heard of these practices. There are things like prayer and fasting, solitude, reading the Bible, serving, worshiping. These practices are not something we have to do to make God happy with us. It's not what they're about. They're ways for us to experience more of Jesus' life and more of his power. You see the difference? They're not there to make God happy with us. They're ways for us to experience more of his life and his power. And it's that life and that power working in us that sets us free from the things that we battle with which hold us back from the abundant life that Jesus has promised. Now the spiritual practices are what we do in the process or the steps that we take. But change, transformation, God does all that part. He does all the rest. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this summer. Now the context of the passage that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is that Paul is writing to church in Corinth. And he is describing how the Jesus way is a whole lot better than the Moses way of life. That laws and commandments, trying to do all the right things, as appealing as that may sound to each and every one of us, that is not nearly as powerful in changing us as the Holy Spirit working in us. And the word which leaps out of this passage is the word transformed. Paul says, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Now, to be transformed it means to be changed in, from one form into another. It's like that word that we use to describe how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. Now, uh, at this stage in my life, personally, I wouldn't mind a few physical changes. Just being honest here. I was at Home Depot the other day, and I was renting a, uh, a chainsaw. It's amazing how much stuff you got to give, you know, and show in order to rent a chainsaw. I mean, like I had to verify my ID, get my driver's license, and then I had to show proof that, you know, I had money enough in the bank account to cover the chainsaw if I decided to sell it to somebody or, you know, break it or something like that. I got to give them my credit card. And then there's all this contract stuff we had to go through. You know, there's the insurance waiver and the instruction waiver. I just want a chainsaw, you know. Well, at one point, as we're going through the contract, the clerk asked me if I wanted a parts replacement warranty. For a minute, I thought he was talking about me, you know. <laughs> like, does he know something I don't know? Well, Paul isn't talking about a physical change. As appealing as a couple new knees and a new back might sound, he's not talking about that. He's talking about a radical change in the form of our character, 
our attitudes, our values, our priorities, everything that shapes the way we live our lives, how we live it, what we do with it, what we say with it. Now, three things stand out about this passage that are important for us to know about transformation. The first one is this. The transformation is God's work. It's God's job, not ours. Paul says we're being transformed. Now, the verb tense is passive, and it means that transformation is something that God is doing to us. See, many of us live our Christian lives as if Christianity were spelled D-O. Like we have to do all the right things to impress other people, to impress God. But no matter how hard we try or what we try, we mess up. Anybody else have this problem? Oh, come on. Are you out there? Okay. We mess up. So Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, meaning that Jesus has done it all for us. That when he gave his life for us on the cross, he paid the price for every mess that we have ever made in our lives and every mess that we will ever make with our lives. Jesus gives us full life cleanup coverage. The Bible calls that grace. Grace means that God loves us just the way we are, but that he doesn't leave us that way. He wants to change us, our values, priorities, and character. That's what transformation is all about. And grace means that we don't do the changing. It means that God does the changing on and in us. Second, transformation means that you will still be you. Now, God isn't in the business of making Christian prototypes. Like, we got to act like, look like, be like every other Christian. There was this guy in my high school growing up that uh, was way different than anybody else. He always had this big smile on his face. And he had this ability to take any conversation and sort of transition it into a conversation about Jesus. I mean, like we'd be in in the cafeteria, standing in the lunch line, right, talking about what we were going to order. And he'd say something like, talking about food, did you know that Jesus said those who hunger uh, will, uh, you know, will find, um, you know, what does he say anyway? (laughs) Had to look at the notes. Did I ruin my credibility at all? (laughs) All right, so back in the lunch line. There we are. And this guy says, speaking about food, anyone who comes to me will never hunger, and those who believe in me will never thirst. Thank you very much. I got that down. But I'm like looking at this guy thinking, we're talking hamburgers and enchiladas here. What's this have to do with Jesus? You see, back then, I thought that being a Christian meant I had to look like that guy. And I didn't want to be like that guy. And I didn't want to follow Jesus if Jesus was going to make me like that guy. (laughs) But we worship a God of amazing diversity. I mean, he made plants and animals, human beings and and, uh, trees and stuff, and all of those things different. God delights in our differences. And he delights in the way that he has made you. Transformation doesn't mean that God is going to take you and make you like someone else. It means that God is going to take you and change you so that you will be all he created you to be. God is doing the work. We don't have to do it. God delights in the way that he's made you so he's not going to make you like someone else. 
And third, transformation is a process. Paul says, we're all being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And a better translation of that phrase, ever-increasing glory, would be from glory to glory to glory. It's like from one level to the next level to the next level. You see, transformation is a process. And the one level is always better than the level before it, which is better than the level before it. You see, you and I are going to keep growing, keep learning, keep changing our whole lives until we see Jesus face to face. Life as you know it now is not as good as it gets. Where you are today is not where you will be tomorrow. There are greater things in your future than there have been in your past. So let me ask you, what, what is keeping you from the fuller, better, more abundant life Jesus offers and has promised you? Because no matter how old you are, no matter how long you have been struggling with a thing or the issue or the issues that you have been struggling with, the amazing thing about what Paul is saying here is that God can change you. He will make you different. It is like God is saying in this passage, I, I'm just getting started. You haven't seen anything yet. You just wait. There was a guy that I talked to this last Saturday who uh, was at, uh, at the Auto Angels car show. He told me that growing up, he had been taught to believe that God was this tough taskmaster, which meant that he always wanted you to do the things that uh, you didn't enjoy doing, like that were really hard. So like if you didn't like speaking in public, well, that was a thing that God wanted you to do. So God felt cold and he felt distant to him. But then he started coming to this church and he heard that you actually could serve God by doing things that you enjoyed doing. Interesting concept. And so he signed up for Auto Angels. And there he met this group of guys that he enjoyed being around. And he found a way to serve using the things he's good at. And he had a ball doing it. And now the guy's just having a blast. And it's changed his whole concept about who God is. God's no longer a tough taskmaster to him that he has to impress. But rather, God is a friend that he has a relationship with. And it is changing him. You see, serving is just one of those practices that Jesus did during his life and engaged in and encouraged his followers to do during his life as well. Those other practices that I mentioned uh, earlier, prayer and fasting, scripture, solitude, those are all practices which sort of, they're like pathways that we walk on that lead us to a fuller a, a deeper experience of God's power and His life in us. The pathways don't transform and change us. They give us access to the God who transforms and changes us. The practices are the steps we take. God's part is to slowly change us and set us free so that we can experience the abundant life that Jesus promises. Now, many of us have tried several of these practices. Anybody tried some of these practices from time to time? A couple, all right, a few of us out there. Uh, and uh, we've given up because they were boring or because they weren't making Jesus any more real to us. And I can't tell you how many times I started reading the Scripture, the Bible, and I stopped hardly before I'd gotten started. 
And, I, and the reason is, I, I didn't care what kind of food the people had to eat back then. I mean, who cares what you had to eat, what you couldn't eat. And, and the fest, I didn't care what festivals they were supposed to be going to. And besides, reading all that stuff didn't make me feel better. It didn't make me feel closer to Jesus. In fact, it made me feel worse because this was just another thing that I failed at and uh, when I quit. But someone helped me see that reading the Scriptures, the Bible, is really about discovering God. Discovering God's character, God's heart, God's nature. And that helped me see all those laws God gave His people back then. Those were laws to protect the people and help them be in community with one another and form a, a fair and just community. And those festivals, okay, those festivals are national holidays. And any God that commands people to party, well, that's a God that I want to follow, right? <laughs> Reading the Bible changed my perspective on who God is, and that changed me. And I want to tell you that that's what these practices can do for you. So there are three things that I just want to share with you briefly that will help you get the most out of the practices this summer and experience some change in your life. The first one is this. It's about you and Jesus. It's only about you and Jesus. It's only about you and your relationship with Jesus. It's not about how much time you spend reading the Bible, like you, know, you can log it in, or how much time you spend praying, where you serve, or when you fast, or how often you come to worship. There is no right or wrong about this. Just make it about you and Jesus. So like when you're reading the scripture, you're reading the Bible, what is Jesus like? What makes him, what makes him glad? What makes him sad? Who does he say he is? And when you're praying, listen. Listen to what Jesus wants to say to you. What's he inviting you into? Where is he leading you? And ask. Ask for his heart for his mind, for his courage, for his faith. Make it about you and Jesus. The second is this. It's an invitation, not an obligation. That means you cannot mess this up. You can't. There's no failure in this. You aren't a better Christian if you do these practices or a lesser Christian if you don't do these practices. Last time I checked the Bible, there aren't like better Christian categories and lesser Christian categories. I gave this sermon uh, uh, on Thursday morning to a small group, and one of the guys who was there told us how a requirement of his job is to travel on a regular basis. Well, one day his son asked him, he asked, Dad, when you're gone, are we still family? Wow, what a question. The son was wondering if the relationships kind of go away when they're not together, you know, during those times when they're not together. And that question gave this guy, the father, an opportunity to assure his son that they were and always would be family, and nothing, not even distance, would break those relationships. Well, I think that's a great illustration for what I'm trying to say here, that when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you become, God as, uh, become part of God's family. You're in. You're part of the family. And uh, these spiritual practices, they're just simply paths we walk down to experience more of God's life and power. If you stop doing the practice, that doesn't break your relationship with God or with Jesus at all. Not at all. It's an invitation, not an obligation. And third, it's for you. The spiritual practices, they are for you. 
They're meant to help you experience God more deeply. And over the next several weeks, you're going to hear a number of messages about uh, different practices. If you're just beginning, I want to encourage you to, to just pick one that you think that you will enjoy. Now, some of you overachieving Eastsiders, you'll be like, all right, I'm going to tackle one of the tough ones. I'll take that one on. Well, let me tell you, there are no gold stars for taking on the tough one. And God has a better offer. He's offering you His life and His power. So pick a practice or practices that will get you on that path and stick with it for 30 days. Then see if there's another one that you'd like to try on. Make it about Jesus. It's an invitation, not an obligation. And pick one that you'd like to try. Several years ago, I met a guy who had been coming to this church uh, for a while. And uh, he was successful in business. He had a lot of friends. He, he was married, had some kids. Um, by all indications, a uh, very successful guy, had a great life. Um, but he'd been going through a really tough time. Business was down. Someone very close to him had, he'd lost, uh, uh, had passed away. And uh, it just kind of left him wondering what was really important in life. God had always been a nice idea to him, but uh, really hadn't had much impact on his life. Well, he came to a place where he asked Jesus to help him. And suddenly, he said, it was like sermons started speaking directly to me. And when he read the Bible, he could actually understand what it was saying. And when he prayed, it felt like a conversation with Jesus. And uh, he just felt Jesus changing him and becoming more and more real to him. He started to love Jesus. The more he loved Jesus, the more he wanted to do things like give money away to anything that would help other people experience Jesus. And now, several years later, Jesus has changed the way he does business, the way he relates to his wife and his children, the way he sees his friends and neighbors, the things he wants to do in his community. It's all about Jesus. He is the freest guy I know. Really. Recognizing there was more to life, he asked Jesus to help him. But Jesus didn't just help him. Jesus changed him. He didn't change himself. Jesus changed him. And that didn't mean that Jesus made him into someone else. Uh, in many ways, he's still the same guy. But he is a lot more like the guy God created him to be. And the change didn't just happen. Regularly coming to church, reading the Bible, praying, giving away some of his money. Those were the steps that he took that helped him experience more of God's life and God's power. And after a few years, life has been better, richer, fuller than it ever has been before for him. Following Jesus is about a relationship with a real person who changes us. We start wanting to be more like him and less like the person we used to be. That old way of life, it just isn't fun anymore. So this week, will you ask Jesus to change the things in your life which are keeping you back from the fuller, abundant life that He's promised? And this summer, will you commit to one spiritual practice that can change your life? Will you make it all about Jesus? So Heavenly Father, we pray during this summer, that you would set us free, that we would experience more of your life and your power, and that you would give us the faith, you would give us the courage, you would give us the resolve to step into these practices and experience all that you have for us. And we pray it in your name, Jesus.
Amen.